Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to Leadership Conversations episode 13. I uh, am really excited about today's episode. My guest is Saranjit Sangar, and Saranjit is the CEO of Upgrad EMEA. Uh, she's based in London and is an experienced leader who loves to dig into customer problems and solve them with data and technology. Saranjit has a successful track record of building and scaling businesses, growing teams, and creating value for customers and partners across different industries and geographies. She creates, scales, and optimizes products that matter with the most recent example being that of leading teams at Upgrad EMEA to make education more accessible, relevant, and affordable for everyone. She is passionate about technology and its impact on our lives. Being a lifelong learner herself, I really want to ask her about uh, about that, uh, she is now practicing playing the piano using tech-enabled applications. Ah, so am I as well. I'm learning to, uh, I'm, I'm doing a bit of what? slowly learning the piano as well. So we can chat about that in a second. But firstly, I just want to say welcome, Saranjit, and thank you for coming on the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me over, Jono. It's really a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm looking forward to this discussion. Now, every leader out there listening will be wondering about playing the piano. No, they won't, but I have to ask about that because it's in there in your bio. So you're just, you're, is that, is, was that one of your COVID, is that something that during COVID you decided to learn or have you been learning longer than that? Um, it is during COVID that I picked up the habit because I realized, you know, I was, I was spending, uh, or rather I had two free hours a day, which was earlier spent in traveling to and back from work. So I tried mm. to use that, those time, uh, into learning uh, something new and it's it's so um, powerful that you know and it's so impactful that with technology I could actually pick up a new hobby uh, all by myself so there is this application um, uh, or you know you can get it on a mobile or iPad and it just teaches you how to play piano in very basic limb and tom Yes. Uh, but how good I am, and it's yet to be seen, but uh, <laughs> it's just so fascinating how technology is making our lives better in almost every field and industry. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I wonder if it's the same app. I think it's um, Simply Piano. Is that the, uh, is that the app? It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there you go, on different, different yes. sides of the world. Uh, but using the same app to learn piano. And uh, and I've also been, I think it was, maybe it's been coming out of COVID for, for me as well, but I've also been trying to learn um, a little bit of Greek because my, my wife is Greek, so I've always wanted to learn Greek so I can speak with some of the extended family. So I've been doing that through Duolingo, which is, once again, no one, just me and an app. And um, I think that's a wonderful starting point for our conversation today because I feel like that's going to be a bit, a bit of a theme. Uh, before we... I really want to ask you about your story. We'll do that in a second. But firstly, just um, tell us a little bit about Upgrad EMEA 
and uh, and also I believe this is a newer role for you. So how long have you been in that role, and uh, and and what does the organisation do? Absolutely. So Upgrad is uh, one of the largest uh, online higher education platforms. We collaborate with universities um, and industry experts to create program and curriculum um, so that our learners who are people like yourselves and me, you know, busy working professionals who cannot take time out of their careers and who have a lot of other financial or other commitments, family commitments. So we, what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring um, education to them higher education or upskilling to them through our platform. So now people like yourself and myself, we can do our masters, our PhDs online at our own pace, at our own time and oh. get a degree from reputed universities and therefore be able to get that kind of upskilling which is needed for our career advancements. So that's what Upgrad does. We partner with universities from across the world. Uh, we've partnered with universities from the US, such as Duke CE. Uh, we've partnered with University of Arizona, Michigan State University, Caltech, uh, Purdue, Emory. Uh, from Australia, we've partnered with Deakin. So you can also do an MBA from Deakin, which is also oh, top yeah. 20 MBAs in the world. Wow. On our platform on Upgrad. And in the UK, we've partnered with Essex, and we've partnered with Liverpool John Moores uh, to provide their master's degrees. Um, so sure. Upgrad is on a mission to provide, uh, make education more accessible, relevant, and affordable for millions of young learners across the world. Uh, and we believe that we are not just a platform where you can consume information. We are a platform which helps you, supports you in transforming your careers. So we mm. believe our job doesn't end at providing or making content accessible. Our job ends when you find that successful outcome for your career. And we also have a full-fledged careers team that supports you, mentors you, coaches you, and prepares you for interviews and helps you get that dream job. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I think um, I'm really fascinated by the space you're in. I think it's the future. And uh, I think it's, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really excited to, um, to chat more about, uh, about all things Upgrad and, and lifelong learning. And there's going to be so much to talk about. So thank you for that uh, explanation. Let's hear a little bit more about Saranjit. So tell us about your story. Uh, any, I guess, um, as far back as you want to share. <laughs> And uh, feel free to share. I, I guess I'm particularly interested in what are some of the moments that have really shaped you becoming the leader that you are today. You know, some of there might be some moments where uh, I know for me there are some moments where I you know dropped the ball and and, and as a leader and made mistakes and um, had great leaders alongside me and they were big pivotal moments. Or other times where I've watched another leader and was blown away by how they handled a situation and that was really pivotal for me um so yeah so uh feel free to go as far back as you want and share as much as you want tell us a little bit of of your story sure um so i grew up in india and i'm an engineer by education i uh was extremely fortunate that in my first job i met one of my who is still to date a great mentor to me. So my first manager 
was a great coach uh, and a great example of leadership. You know, he would manage me less, coach me more. And mm. he kind of instilled this big hunger and ambition in me, which was through constant mentoring and coaching. Um, you know, uh, after I worked with him for a few years, I, re I really, you know, in my head, I wanted to be a good leader like him. And there were quite a number of skills that I thought were lacking in me, both mm. hard skills as well as soft skills. And that's when I decided to take a break and do an MBA just to get a bit more perspective. Yes. Um, I genuinely believe as an individual, as a person, as a professional, that constant learning is absolutely needed for every individual to constantly evolve. Mm. Um, and therefore, uh, I took a break, uh, went back to school to do my pursue my MBA, you know, took up a new job in London, uh, worked there for a number of years. Um, and at some point, I was feeling a bit stagnated. I was mm. missing that kind of mentorship um, and leadership, um, which is when I decided. Uh, and plus, I you know was just uh, intrigued by the world of entrepreneurship and wanting to go to the grass level, grassroot levels, and you know create something new from scratch. So that lured me back to Asia, where I worked in Singapore uh, in a couple of startups. Um, I am very proud uh, because I've managed to build something from scratch in a very short term, which became eventually very successful. So uh, I was working at a startup in Singapore, Grab, uh, mm. and I helped build one of their first cloud kitchens network across Southeast Asia. So wow. in a whirlwind of less than a year, we had multiple kitchens set up, very massive learnings. Um, I am a kind of a person, an entrepreneur who likes to build the airplane while flying it. <laughs> so that yes. was an experience. Uh, but I guess that's also a spirit of entrepreneurship. There is never yes. a perfect moment. Um, and I believe that uh, it's important to start something, learn and improve versus mm. wait for a perfect plan and waste that time. So, uh, yes, so I did that. I, I really enjoyed myself. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes and I'm sure through the you know discussion, we'll talk a lot about that, discuss a lot about that. I guess one of the biggest learnings in that in those time for me was really, truly understanding the difference between a manager and a leader. Mm. Um, I'm more than happy to dive deep into that conversation if you want it sometime. But um, but but then for personal reasons, we wanted to move back to London. And yeah. I also took that time to just reflect on what mattered to me. I was at that phase in my life where I was driven more by purpose. And I was really looking yes. at taking the next job where I knew I would impact millions um, through technology, because that's how large scale impact can be made. And mm. um, I found out about this opportunity at Upgrad who are on a mission to make uh, education accessible and relevant uh, for millions of learners. And I thought it kind of very much matched with my own personal goals and own personal objectives, um, yes. which is why I thought it was a great fit for me. Uh, and I took on this opportunity at Upgrad and I'm running the EMEA markets, which essentially is Europe, UK, Middle East and Africa. Yeah, fantastic. Wow.
Uh, thank you for sharing your story. Well, let's dive straight into that, the, the difference between leaders um, and managers, the difference between being a leader and a manager. I, I love that. I think that's a great starting point. You have me, uh, when you mentioned that, you had me leaning in wanting to hear more of your thoughts on that. So um, what did you learn about the difference between being a leader and a manager? So um, I feel that, you know, a lot of big companies, they really invest in their employees to become better and better at their jobs. Yes. Um, you know, someone is a data scientist, they'll invest in upskilling and reskilling. So they become even better data scientists and then they can get promoted and they can take a bigger portfolio and a bigger chunk of responsibilities. But I feel that one thing that companies don't do as well is making them making these you know uh, high potential employees understand the difference between being a manager and mm. being a leader and that was one of the mistakes i made myself personally early on in my career mm. when i got promoted i was already good at doing something which is why i got promoted into like a senior manager in the same role and responsibility and instead of understanding that now my job is not to do the job uh, myself, but I'm now responsible for people who are doing the job. <laughs> and therefore, it's my responsibility to train the people to do the job better than I would do it. Um, so that's instead of being a leader and coaching my team, I would just jump straight into problem solving. Um, and I think that was a very big learning curve for me because I did fail and I fell flat on my face um, uh, because I felt frustrated. My team felt frustrated. Um, and I guess that is a key difference, right? A manager would just manage a problem yes. uh, and, you know, dive straight into solving for the team versus a leader would be a bit more empathetic. You know, if something is not going well, a leader would go and ask the team, hey, are you OK? Uh, is the, Are you stuck? I, I bet you're feeling frustrated. How can I support you? How can I help you empower them, elevate them so that they feel responsible, empowered to do the job successfully? And by doing so, one that you know i'm really encouraging my team empowering them to deliver but on the same uh, on the other hand i'm also freeing up a lot of time myself to look at bigger and more pressing matters uh, which otherwise i would just be wasting the time trying to do a job versus you know looking at other things so that is what i mean the difference between management and leadership and i do feel that there is still a lot to be done in the corporate world to train employees to think like leaders and not like managers. Yeah, I completely agree. It's something that uh, has really stood out to me recently chatting with leaders is, and, and you mentioned it there, you talked about supporting your people. And I think that's something that leaders, uh, I think for me, uh, maybe it's just a revelation I've had uh, recently, but that idea of looking at your team, and I know for me, when I first took a, when I first stepped into leadership, I, like you, and I think this happens everywhere, right? You're you're competent at doing something, and so because of how good you are at doing that skill, you're naturally sort of on a path towards um, doing uh, bigger things that you know, which leads to managing a team. All of a sudden, you find yourself leading a team, and you think, "How do I do this?" And and I think one of the most helpful words for me is that word support. 
And I think that's what I've seen a lot of great leaders do is they actually approach their team. And instead of going, how can this bunch of people support me to get this job done? They flip it on its head and say, just like you said there, how can I support my team to get um, to get their jobs done? Because that's what if I can do that, if I can support them and invest in them to really do an excellent job, then we're going to do really well together. I think that for me was a big shift. It sounds really simple, but that that's one of the big parts for me that I really agree with you. I think it's completely it's a completely different perspective. Um, do you have any thoughts on how, like, w what you've seen that that we can do, or what sort of professional development, or what sort of paradigm shift we can bring into the corporate world that's that you've seen work that helps people shift from managing to leading? Um, I think the well, there are various forms um of training available mm. uh, that is mindset training skill set training but i genuinely feel that leading by example seeing this in uh, real life in motion and you know having more conscious discussions would really help move forward i personally learned about co-elevation um and and empathy uh, from by see by seeing my uh, you know by seeing leaders actually demonstrate it. Yes, I had a, one of the leaders in my past jobs used to attend the town halls, fold his hands, and say, "I am here to serve you." And he would say that to all employees. He's mm. like, "I'm not here to lead you or guide you or manage you. I am here to serve you." Mm. And you know, my, my objective here is to support you, empower you and give you everything you need to do better in your jobs and be and feel proud about it. And that for me left a very lasting impact. And I saw that as a benchmark of where I'd want to be when I became a leader. And I and to date, you know, I say exactly the same thing to my team. I whenever I have a town hall with them or I'm addressing any big any big topic, the first thing I say to them is, "I'm here to serve you." You know, you guys are the backbone. You guys are the reason why our company is doing well. You put your time, you put your efforts. Uh, sometimes you even, you know, prioritize work over other things to help us realize our objectives. Mm. And my only job here is to make sure that you feel happy and proud in what you're doing and content with what you're doing. Therefore, my job is here to serve you and not to demand things out of you. So I feel, uh, and, and that's how you co-elevate, right? You, you bring everyone, you bring your team together and you collaborate powerfully towards a shared vision. And this co-created progress where everyone involved feels that they are involved and they are succeeding is co-elevation. Um, so, yes, and I feel that the only, the, I mean, there are many ways to do it, as I mentioned. You can train mm. people, you can have skill set training, mindset training, but learning from your leaders is possibly the best way to teach the next line of leaders how to co-elevate. Yes, yeah, I want to ask you more about that, but uh, it just reminded me of something I've heard, which is where, um, and I, I don't, I, it's one of those things where I think it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but at the same time, I think the heart of it is true, which is that you can't change culture, you can only be culture. And I think that's, um, I think that's a good starting point for leaders as well. If you want to change the way your team 
uh, are growing as leaders, then the first thing and, and pro probably the most powerful thing you can do is lead by example. You know, go big on being that sort of leader yourself and show your people what it looks like to serve them and support them. And, and that's such a, yeah, I just think it's such an effective way to train train people up and to really help them get a vision of what it might look like to be, to lead rather than just manage. Uh, but I want to ask you about co-elevation. Tell, unpack a, a little bit more for me about what, um, I guess if you were going to define co-elevation, how you would define it and to a leader out there who, you know, I said to you before, um, the, the heart of this podcast is that it's like we're sitting at a cafe chatting about leadership and our listeners are sitting here with us. Well, if one of our listeners was sitting here and said, where do I start? Uh, you know, I, I, I maybe, maybe they're a young leader, maybe they're in a new leadership role and they go, oh, I love this idea of co-elevation. Where do I start? I'd be interested to know that. So just to re, just because <laughs> I've asked you a couple of things, um, what, what is co-elevation? Unpack that for us. And then what would your answer be to a, to a young leader in terms of where to start with wanting to do more around co-elevation? Right. So I believe there are various different definitions available for me and leadership. Sorry, I'm going to take a step back. I think lead, there is no uh, perfect recipe for leadership, right? It's very personal and mm. it's very personal to oneself. Um, for me, co-elevation is about empathy um, and empowerment. Mm. Uh, if I can show empathy towards my employees uh, and empower them to make the decisions, uh, and own their own targets and goals. It, it makes them feel responsible. Yes. Um, responsible for the success and responsible for anything that needs to improve. And I think that is once they feel a bit more responsible and accountable, um, they have a sense of ownership. And mm. through the sense of ownership, there is a sense of, of upliftment. And that's mm. what co-elevation means for me. Um, it's not so, so as a leader, I feel that, you know, uh, that's the beauty about leadership that <laughs> through co-elevation, if everything that goes right in the team, you give away the credit to the team and mm. that gives them the sense of ownership and pride of achieving something. But at the same time, as a leader, uh, and the flip side of co-elevation also means that if anything goes wrong, it's the leader's fault and leader needs to take responsibility. So mm. that way you're also showing empathy and protection for your employees to feel that sense of belonging and sense of comfort in the team. Mm. So again, to reiterate for me, co-elevation is all about empathy and empowerment. Um, and again, what I said previously, you know, it's about how do you bring the team together? How do you uh, collaborate on a shared vision? Uh, how do you pass on responsibility and ownership to your team members so they feel a part, they feel responsible, they feel like they own the project. And this in totality means co-elevation for me. Wow, that is, there is so much good, good stuff in what you just said there. I just love that idea of empathy and empowerment. I think um, I also, I don't know where to start with, un, un, I just want to want to ask you to unpack so much of that because it was, it's just so brilliant. Um, I haven't forgot my other question, but this is just, I, the thing I love, I love what you said about giving away credit for, <laughs> for the good and taking on ownership and responsibility 
when things go wrong. I think that is just such good advice. I, I, I think it's just one of the best things for particularly a young leader to hear is like, how can you give away, be generous and, and, and really let your people really take ownership of the wins and be quick, you know, don't be threatened by the people on your team. Be the, be the first person when you're with other leaders to point out, particularly in public, but also in private, to say that, you know what, the person who really led this part of it was, you know, it was this person over here and they just did such an incredible job. But you just hit the nail on the head because then um, I think the thing we can do wrong is then when something goes bad, we can throw them under the bus. And it's like, no, no, no. Uh, Co-elevation means, yes, giving away the credit to it to actually empower them and celebrate them but then when something does go wrong actually stepping in front of them and and actually saying no i take responsibility for this and protecting them and saying and i think that's so necessary because if you want this whole foul uh, failure culture that people want to have where it's okay to fail you have to protect your people when something goes wrong you have to step in and go i'll take the hit for this one even though they know and you know maybe they dropped the ball somewhere. But as a leader, you go, no, if we're going to innovate, if we're going to do amazing things, we have to fail. We have to make mistakes. So I'm going to take the hit for this one. Um, oh, I just think that's incredible advice, uh, Saranjit. I just, yeah, there's so much good stuff in there. I'm just so, uh, you can probably hear, I'm just uh, and this, loving everything you said there. And this ties back. And this ties back to what I'd earlier mentioned, right? Mm. That leadership is not about, uh, you know, managing deliverables or uh, delivering revenues. Leadership is about leading people who are in charge of delivering your revenue or any other targets. Yes. And therefore, the most important job of a leader is to make the employees feel secure um, and uh, feel responsible mm. for, when I say responsible, I mean in a good way, like own, own their deliverables yeah. versus managing it. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, it's such a distinction. It's such a powerful distinction. So yeah, say for that leader who's sitting down with us and says, where do I start? What would your advice be to them? when it comes to co-elevation? Um, my advice for them for co-elevation, uh, I think especially young leaders, uh, firstly and foremostly, please understand the distinction between managing and leading. Mm. We talked about that early on in this uh, podcast. Uh, but the most important bit would be uh, first, listen. And uh, there's a difference between hearing and listening. So listen <laughs> whenever you get feedback uh, and really reflect on it yeah. and never be afraid of learning. You know, you can learn from the youngest or the oldest person in the room, the most inexperienced or the most experienced person from the room in the room. Mm. And just keep an open mind really listen and reflect on the feedback you're getting from the room and not be afraid to, you know, don't, don't let the ego come in like, Hey, I've actually had so many years of experience. What can you teach me? I think that is just a recipe for disaster. Yes. A good leader is someone who listens, uh, gets feedback and is never afraid of learning. 
Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. Uh, I really do want to ask you more about this because I love this idea so much. If we dig into empathy, you talked about empathy and empowerment. And I think, uh, yeah, to be honest, I don't think I've heard those two words used together the way you've used them there. Um, and I love it. I just think it's, I, I think you've really got me thinking about um, how those two ideas uh, work together. And so let's start with empathy. What what does it look like and what does it feel like as a leader to lead with empathy? Very good question. So for me, leadership is like parenting uh, and being a young parent myself, uh, you know, my, my, my thoughts, my style on leadership has evolved so much. Mm. Um, in the past, I made some mistakes, uh, which if, when I reflect on it was very transactional of me. You know, if something worked well, I would applaud the person. If something did not work well, I'd be very good to say, hey, why is it not working? Mm. But as, a par as I became a parent and I realized if my child is not doing very well, I'm not going to say I'm going to change you. I'm going <laughs> to sit down and I'm going to find out, hey, what's going on? Is something bothering you? And that's when I noticed that, my, you know, that's the same thing with people and the people I'm leading and people I'm working with. Um, and when I changed my style to every time things did not work out to going back and saying, hey, you know, I noticed that uh, we're not able to meet our targets. What's going on? Uh, is, some, is everything okay? Uh, can I help you? Can I support you? And more often than not, I was surprised that, you know, sometimes people were just feeling stressed. They were too afraid to fail and taking too much stress on themselves or they had some personal problems going on. So by just asking them very empathetically, they felt more secure. They opened up to me, they discussed the problems. And when there was a work-related problem, we were able to problem solve very effectively. When it was a personal problem, you know, I just took them some time off to go and deal with it. Mm. Uh, and they're still with us. So, uh, wow. so, you know, having that kind of empathy, treating people like they're people and not transactions really yes. helps in fostering long-term relationships. Uh, you know, there are people who are no longer with us in our team, but we're still on very good terms to an extent that we are very much in touch. They still call me up for, you know, advice. They still call me up for various other things. Yes. And I think that shows the power of empathy in fostering long-term relationships. Yes, I, I love that. I love what you've mentioned about parenting there um, because it's um, in the previous episode of this podcast, uh, which I just recorded uh, today with Dr. Philip Moulds, who is a, uh, a head of school at a at a school here in Australia, he talked about uh, what he calls the Lachlan and Claire test. And uh, listeners can go back and listen to that episode. But uh, th the thing I loved about it is he has a son and a daughter named Lachlan and Claire. And in education, uh, in a school environment, he finds it really helpful to ask, okay, what the Lachlan and Claire test is to say, uh, how would I want my kids to what would I want? What would I want to happen in the classroom if if they were my kids? If it was you know his son's name is Lachlan. If it was Lachlan in the classroom, and, and he and he and he uses that to help him, I guess make hard decisions at times and and have to be courageous because he and I I think it's a similar thing to what you're saying here. I, I love it. I think it's about leadership, like parenting, like you're saying is okay. Um, 
you know, not only not only have you learnt about um, you know how to approach uh, people from that, you know this new season of your life in terms of parenting, but I also think there's a real beauty in that because it's it's that same thing of going, what would I want a leader to do if they were leading my son or daughter or for listeners who don't have kids maybe it's like if it was my niece or nephew or if it was uh your partner who was in that role how would i want a leader to invest in them and i think that's i love that question because it's straight away you're right what do you think about you you'd want them to really care about the personal problems you'd want them to listen long enough to realize they are a fantastic employee they've just got some things going on right now they need a little bit of extra care right now they, uh, they just need some help with this part and they've struggled to ask for it. And, and they, you'd want a leader who really got in there and listened and took the time with them. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really, yeah, I, I think that's a really helpful perspective. Um, there's lots of different angles around that, uh, Saranja, in terms of what you mentioned around parenting um, and empathy. I, I think you unpacked that really well. Thank you. So let's go to the other word, empowerment. What does it look like for a leader to empower their people well? And what I guess, how does it feel if you're the leader and you're empowering people? How does it feel and what does it look like from your perspective as well? Right. Um, so as a leader, I feel, as I mentioned, you know, my job is to support my employees uh, to empower them the first thing i need to do is make sure they believe in our vision so i usually spend a lot of time in the beginning with mm. all my employees to share the plans and share the vision get feedback uh, and you know make sure that they have completely bought into it i actually do end up spending a lot of time and i over communicate because i really feel that for them to feel empowered uh, basically means that they really need to believe in the vision yeah. to own it 100%. Once how, they believe in that? it... I've got to then, ask, sorry to interrupt, but I have to ask Yes, because I think that's so important and I can just imagine people listening going, ooh, I know I need to do more of that, but uh, how do you do that? So what, what do you do, Surrender? What does it look like? Uh, and maybe if I can get a little bit specific, like how long are we talking? How, how long will you spend over communicating with an employee? I love that word, by the way, over communicate. How long will you spend over communicating about vision with uh, with someone on your team when they join? Right, right. So I'll just give you a very small example. Yeah. Um, so for me, firstly, when I talk about a vision, a vision statement has to be a really short and a simple statement, but very, very impactful. Uh, for me, vision statement is not something that is achievable in six months and one year, right? What is the long-term impact that we are going to create? At the end of the day, I think as leaders, we really underestimate how much our employees value impact. So for, for them to really feel inspired about working on something, mm. they really need to understand that they, we are going to make a long-term impact. So I spend a lot of time. Uh, when I say a lot of time, I sit down in the first few meetings, we talk about in detail what our vision is, how are we going to achieve this, and mm. why we think that this is an achievable plan for us. Then okay. I invite feedback. Once we have had that discussion, very open-ended discussion, and I feel confident that every employee has bought into it, from there onwards, it's a lot about just 
subtle reminders. Mm. So to give you an example, we I, I do something like a weekly business review. Yes. The first line of my weekly business review is the vision statement. Mm. Every week, the first thing that everyone reads on that on that entire document is the vision statement just as a reminder what our north star is yeah yeah and i think now if you wake up my employees my team members in the middle of the night and you ask them uh i'm sure they'll tell you that this is the vision statement because we speak about it not not in detail but subtly every week now that this is the north star that we are aiming for um and that those constant reminders do help as well yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I love uh, what Patrick Lencioni, the leadership author, says about reminding, which is he says every leader is the CRO, which is the chief reminding officer to their team. You know, that, that <laughs> reminding, we always, we always assume people are sick of hearing it, like with that vision statement. You say it a couple of times and you think, oh, I don't want to. But that's often because we hear it in our heads or, you know, we're thinking about it so much, but people need to hear it again and again and again and again. And I love that. Such a simple idea. But I think leaders out there, that's something that people could, should go and do is work out what that North Star is. What's that vision statement? I like what you said there, something short. Um, what I've heard that I really like is the idea of portable, something really portable that's easy to take with you, you know, easy to, um, uh, you know, easy to, to, to carry and, and easy for people to remember. But like you said, something really meaningful. It has to be, it has to have significant impact, has to mean something. And just start start a key document like your weekly business review. It's so simple, but I I often see leaders who aren't doing that. And I think it's, I think it's just a, a really brilliant, simple thing you can do to help people through repetition and subtle, like you said, really buy in. True. Also, what happens is, you know, we are in a very dynamic work environment these days. So mm. the business priorities can keep changing. You know, one day you're working on a project, but the next day something else is very hot and we need to divert attention. But in doing so, we should not really lose sight of the North Star. So any small tactical thing we do still leads towards the North Star. And therefore, the constant reminder that we are still working towards a North Star, and this is the North Star, is very important. So the team does not feel lost. Hey, why are we changing directions? Uh, basically, that's a subtle reminder. We are not changing directions. We are still moving towards our vision. It's just how we do might need to change just to adapt with the evolving technology or evolving needs. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So you do a lot around vision. That's the starting point when it comes to um, uh, empowerment. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you there because I just had to ask you about that. What else is involved in uh, in for a leader like yourself right. to empower well? So, so we set the vision and we make sure they buy into it. The second thing is a lot about business planning. Uh, my personal style is I don't sit down and set targets. Mm. Uh, I let my leaders come up with me with what the targets should be because then they're also taking responsibility and they're owning it. It's not something that's been passed down to them, but it's something that's come up from them, which they're very confident about. So yes. that automatically comes with a sense of responsibility, accountability, and empowerment. Uh, so I let my leaders come up with their own plans. And of course, uh, you know, there's a very healthy spar 
there's a healthy debate around what needs to be done and if we've uh, you know we've countered and we've checked all the balances so that's a very detailed uh, discussion that takes place but at the end of the day since it comes from them they have full responsibility and accountability and they feel part of the entire business planning process um apart from them i tend not to make decisions so when we are in the meetings i feel that my role is just to guide and act as a facilitator versus mm. a decision maker yes so i try to ask the right questions and try to steer my team into making the right decisions so they come out of so you know my purpose is they come out of the meeting feeling i made that decision i when i say i i don't mean me saranjit the person the employee made the decision yeah. and that gives them more ownership yeah so that is how i try to empower people it's funny because i can almost hear the leaders in my head who i um who i uh you know when i work with leaders i feel like something that always comes up around this topic is a fear that when i let if i let people come up with their own targets uh that one of two things will happen either they will they will not you know not go for enough and and sort of we won't hit the KPIs we need to or they'll go somehow in a different direction and get off the path um that i need them to be on uh, so how do you how do you manage that in, in your experience when it comes to empowering people and and uh, getting them to really come up with their own sort of goals and targets so they really own them all comes back to defining your vision statement a vision statement needs to be very smart in nature in the sense it needs to also be quantifiable it needs to have some sense of timelines and some sense of impact you are trying to deliver Hmm. So when I ask my team to come up with their own goals it ties back to the vision statement they are already bought into the vision and therefore they feel responsible for coming up with a plan that will help us get to that vision statement in the years that we have defined in and uh, whenever um, my team comes back with a plan which i think is either over ambitious or not too ambitious i find i feel my job is more to ask right questions and then let them lead to the answer uh i i try my best not to jump into problem solving mode immediately but try and lead them into problem solving for themselves and i often find that asking the right question at the right time is the key to uh going down the right, right path when it comes to uh empowering people and letting them manage their own goals Yeah, I think uh I think asking the right question at the right time. This is why I think coaching is so important for leaders. It's such an important skill because really coaching is exactly that. It's it's everything you've just said. That's that's why I'm such a such a big believer in leaders learning to coach their their teams because if you it's not just helpful in one-on-ones, it's helpful like you said in how you facilitate meetings and if you can realize, wait, if I can facilitate uh there's so many wins like you've said the fact that they might walk out of that meeting go going you know that they actually made that decision that's such a big win because of the responsibility they take on um uh, i think that's i think that's really profound so getting really making sure that you um i i'm interested to know with these vision statements would you have a different vision statement for each layer in an organization say you had uh say you're leading a team and then one of your team members 
also has a team of people they're leading. Do they would they have their own vision statement that's different to yours for their team? What what are your? I know that's getting a bit practical, but I can't help but that's the sort of thing I'm thinking of at the next level is what might that look like in an organization? I think a team or a business vision is the same, but different teams have their different KPIs and yes. not stars. Uh, so for example, uh, you know, a sales team uh, would have a different not star because for them, it, a lot is about conversion. Uh, for UX team, uh, well, at the end of the day, more or less, it equates to one or two key deliverables for all the teams, but different individuals and teams do have different KPIs depending on the nature of their job. But I try and keep it very focused to two or three. And all of these KPIs are extremely quantifiable so that there is no room for misunderstanding. So that's how yes. we try to keep our communication very transparent, believable, so that everyone feels really empowered and energized and mm. more importantly, clear about what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, I think clear is great. I, I, you know, I love soccer. Uh, or football, as they call it in the in the UK. And uh, I was just thinking this the other day, I was watching some Premier League soccer, and I was thinking, you know what, as leaders, we need to make it obvious what the score is. And I think we need to work with our people because I just thought, you know why, this is one of the reasons I love this game so much, is it's very obvious who's winning or losing. It's very obvious what the score is. And I know people have used that before, but for me it was just a reminder that KPIs need to be so clear so that your people know, you know, and help them really create things that are very clear so they know I'm I'm on track or I'm not. It can't be something abstract. Otherwise, it'd be like watching a game of soccer that had no outlines and no goals. And, you know, who's scoring, who's winning, who, who knows? It would be so frustrating to watch. Um, and I think a lot of people are working in situations where it's like that. Um, you've got a team, you've got 22 people on a team all running around with no lines anywhere and no goals, wondering if we're winning or losing. And that's incredibly frustrating. Um, what are some, uh, can you give some examples of what, you know, a vision statement might uh, sound like in terms of like an, just an actual example of, of, of what one might be and, and what some KPIs uh, might be, I guess, just for those listening who really want to go and implement this, it might just help them get a bit of a handle on it. Absolutely. So, uh, for example, I'll tell you the vision statement that I have for my team is we want to impact 1 million young learners to find successful career outcomes um, and uh, in the next five years. Now, this is very quantifiable. Uh, but you you will ask what does successful outcome mean? So that therefore that comes as a part of the KPIs. Yeah. Uh, the KPIs would be you know something on the lines of I'm going to get X million learners in the next so and so months, out of which at least eighty percent of them should find a career transition or the desired jobs that they're looking for. So quantify by so and so time. So quantifying yes. everything really helps us uh, move forward. So just to give you an example, one of my team members came to me with a KPI saying, uh, we're going to launch X new programs uh, in this quarter. 
And my pushback to them instantly was, one, I don't know if these programs are going to be successful. So should not, should that not be tied to success? Are they relevant for our learners? Do they help our, you know, the North Star is that we need to find successful outcomes. We need to find career transitions and job placements for 80% of the learners who mm. are taking our program. So shouldn't these jobs then have some kind of relevance? Are these programs helping them get the kind of job to give you a very silly example again you know we have seen massive trends there are more and more new jobs being created like i think there are 133 million new jobs that will be created by 2025 wow um and these are digital jobs which are going to be created in uh data in the field of data and in the field of field of digital communication mm. Um, so shouldn't our programs be then more relevant to these fields versus something which no longer has an appeal for, uh, you know, the evolving technology or that could become obsolete in the near future. So that's how we try to link it back to the North Star and keep extremely quantifiable so that there is no room for, oh, but I thought this and <laughs> no room for misunderstanding or miscommunication. Yeah, I, I get the feeling. I, I don't know if any research has been done on this. It would be a hard thing to, uh, to research, but wow, a high, high percentage of problems in organizations and that leaders and their teams face would have to come down to miscommunication and misunderstanding. It's why, I've, it's why I called my organization Clarity, because honestly, if you can just be clear, I, I feel like 90% of the time, that gives you a massive advantage. And I love how clear you are. That's, uh, yeah, I feel like that's, I've really learned something from how you've unpacked that. I think that's going to be, um, there's definitely some, uh, some great thoughts there that, uh, that I'm going to be pondering, uh, pondering for a bit. I, what I'd love to do, Saranjit, I've enjoyed this so much. Uh, I would love to invite you back for a, a second um, a second episode just because I really wanted to dig deep into lifelong learning and I feel like I can't really do it justice in the in the time we have left so maybe that's a, a topic we can explore another time um, and, and sort of uh, dig into a little bit together absolutely be my pleasure and uh, just as we wrap up uh, wrap up today I like I said honestly I've just uh, I feel like I'm going to be thinking uh, of some of the great thoughts you've you've mentioned for the next couple of days, and and probably uh, uh, leaders out there who uh, who work with me or attend masterclasses or workshops. Don't be surprised if I'm uh, referencing something from Saranjit because I really really enjoyed a lot of these thoughts. Um, did you have any final thoughts for listeners before we wrap up? Uh, my, my final thoughts, well, I'd just like to say to all the listeners, uh, the three key takeaways for me as a leader, and uh, I'm also an evolving leader, please bear in mind. <laughs> um, so the, key three, uh, the three key takeaways for me have been uh, empathy, empowerment, and lifelong learning. Uh, it's very important for us leaders and aspiring leaders to really understand the power of continuous learning and not be afraid to invest in ourselves um, because that is 
genuinely the only way we will grow, uh, we will become better leaders, and we will create more high-performing teams. So I hope you enjoyed listening and uh, wish you all a very good day. Yeah, thank you, Saranjit. I think empathy, empowerment, and lifelong learning are three wonderful, wonderful thoughts for leaders. I think they're, uh, uh, and, and I can see just from this conversation, it's no surprise to me why, um, why you're on such a successful trajectory. And I'm excited to hear about those million um, young people being impacted because I think that's a, that is a very clear vision and it's a wonderful vision, very impacting. And no wonder you're a, I think it would be easy to see why your team would would, uh, love getting up in the morning to be on mission to be part of that. Uh, So thank you again for coming on the podcast and uh, thank you to our listeners and uh, we'll catch you next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much 
that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or Clarity, and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases, you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.